right, we are back. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning into this edition of the 615 Collector. Today is Friday, March 31st. It is the last day of March. Get ready. Tomorrow's April Fool's Day, so here's your heads up so you don't get caught on any April Fool's jokes. My name is Doug. My partner is Brandon. And a quick reminder, we don't take sponsorships or get paid to promote anyone, which is intentional as we try to stay conflict-free from anything other than our own biases. So, And then quick, I guess, schedule update. Brandon, we're going to take next week off. Next week is Easter weekend. Yep. So we won't be here next week, but we will be here the week after that. So hope everyone enjoys Easter weekend. And if you haven't, you know, if you miss listening to a 615 collector, then go check out some of our older episodes. Maybe maybe there's some older episodes you didn't hear, some of the interviews we did, stuff like that. Go check those out during the week that we're out. And like I said, we'll be back the week after that. Uh, gosh, where to start today? You know, I, I, I hate to start the show off with something, you know, that's not great. But I think, you know, we'd be remiss if we did not uh, have a conversation about the school shooting that happened at Covenant here in Nashville. The first time, I believe, anyway, that there's been a school shooting incident here in Nashville. And this one hit near and dear to our hearts. It was a uh, school that my daughter, Brandon, your sister, worked at and I think did her some student teaching at just a few years ago her and I she actually uh, assisted in coaching uh, one of the boys basketball teams there and then then she was the head coach of the sixth grade girls basketball team and I helped her out at the Covenant School for a couple years I think that was 2018 2019 so it was just really tough to to see what happened at that school in our hearts and prayers go out to everyone that was impacted by that and we would ask all of our listeners to keep all of them all the families and and people that were impacted by that tragic event in in your hearts and prayers it's obviously you know never the kind of news that you want to hear never the kind of thing that you want to to see happen so um did want to put that out there there are there are opportunities if you're so inclined to you can um kind of google and find online there are several opportunities to donate and help out some of the families and the school that, that's um, having to deal with some of the, the aftermath of, of those events. And so if that's something you're interested in, check that out. Uh, we would we encourage you to do that. All right, so we do have a show to do today. We are going to try to keep all these shows to an hour or less. And so once again, my apologies because I did not have time to put together uh, the kind of the set review that we talked about or the product review that we talked about we're going to do just with a lot of stuff that was going on this week didn't have the time to get that together but we do have a bunch of other stuff we're going to do so you want to maybe just give a quick rundown and we'll jump in uh yeah um i guess we're just going to start with just some random stuff um we'll then just do jersey numbers as usual then we got hobby dues in the halftime report and then finally we got some nhl and nba stuff random stuff what? Random stuff. That's a little. That's random stuff. <laughs> is what you wrote any vaguer? Hodgepodge. No, it's not. So I guess what are we gonna? We do a little like March Madness. We got a uh, little baseball in there. A little little. Uh, what else we got? We'll talk about. We did rip some of the wax we bought, so we'll get into that. Should we do that now? I guess we can do that now. So last time we talked about we we got uh, so well we don't go through all the wax. We did rip the. I did rip the um, 2002 WNBA Flare Ultra. And I also ripped the hockey. It was the 20, I think it was the 2021 Skybox Metal Universe hockey. Ripped those boxes. 
Haven't ripped the others yet, but gonna do plan to do that. Did pull a PMG out of the hockey box. Not the one I was necessarily going after, but not a bad one. It was of Tyler Benson. It's a red PMG showing it to Brandon here. So it's numbered to uh, serial number to 100. He is with uh, Edmonton Oilers, but he is not Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl for that matter. But that's okay. It's still a cool card. Did pull a couple of good rookies out of that too. Got the Alexi Lafreniere. Got the uh, Sorokin, the goalie for the uh, the Rangers. Or excuse me, not the Rangers. Why did I say the Rangers? The Islanders. I think I got uh, Alexi mixed up with Sorokin. Sorokin's with the Islanders. Alexi's with the Rangers. So there you go. And then, uh, so anyway, so those are just a couple of the, the, you know, that's a cool, the cards, I love the design of those cards. I think it's a cool set. And then the, the WNBA box. So I will use, I made a rookie mistake, not a rookie in the hobby, but I did make a rookie mistake. So I'm going to use that as a learning experience. My blunder will hopefully allow others to learn from it and maybe not, uh, make the same mistake that, that we made. And that is, I, and I should have known better, but you have to look like, so this 2002 WNBA box, the the big rookies that you're going for in there are Swin Cash and Sue Bird, right? There are 20 rookies in that set. What I did not know, and if I had done a little research, I could have figured it out because it's out there online available to, to find out, but is that all of the rookies are redemptions. So I got like eight different redemption cards, but they're all expired. They all expired oh, in. They all expired in 2003 or whenever that was, because this set's from 2002, right? So anyway, I I don't know. I I might send you know ultra or, uh, ultra upper deck owns Fleer now. I might send them in to upper deck and see what they do. They might not do anything with them, but who knows? Maybe they'll do something. I don't know. Do they have any? I don't think that they've got anything. Old for ones it. laying around in the back, or maybe they can swap them out for something else. I don't know, man. I don't know, but it was a rookie mistake. So. There you go. Lesson learned. Should have known better. That's okay though. Still, still had fun ripping it. It's not an expensive hobby box. I think it was seventy or eighty bucks or something like that. And still got some good cards. Got Lisa Leslie. Got Tamika Catchings. Got uh, Jackie Styles. Don Staley. Got a couple of Don Staley cards, including the the gold medallion, which is basically a kind of a parallel of the base card in that set. Got Becky Hammond. That was a good one. Cheryl Swoops. It's another good one. Uh, Rebecca Lobo and I got the gold medallion as well as the base and Rebecca Lobo as well so did still get some and then there was some other summer love inserts that were part of that set that I got that had I think I got Cheryl Swoops, Don Staley, uh, who else I think uh, Julia Star or not Julia Jackie Styles. anyway so got some good cards out of it but yeah didn't get the rookies now and I will say this too I I one of the things that I, I do wish, looking, it's not on them, I should have done the research, but I do wish that the retailers, the card shops that sell these things, I wish they would have more information available. So there's a, here's a you know piece of advice, I guess, to card shops out there. The ones that can do this probably would attract, be able to market that and attract some business. But if you can have some information available to people about what is in the box as far as potential redemptions, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to do that because maybe that means they wouldn't sell for, you know. But it did kind of. It bothered me a little bit because and nothing. Look, bought these at David Adams. David Adams is a great store, great shop. 
and and I would highly encourage people if you want to buy stuff, Dave and Adams is certainly one to give a look to in addition to wherever, you know, whatever local card shops you've got in your area. But but they did, Dave and Adams, when you go on and look at this particular hobby box, they will say, you know, opportunity to pull a Sue Bird rookie card. And it's like, and I just wasn't thinking to look up the redemptions. And you kind of wish they would say, hey, the you know, these are the cards that are redemptions in this set. So if you are going to buy, you know, just be aware that that's the case. But is what it is, I guess. Still got some cool cards out of it, so I'm not unhappy with that at all. Haven't gotten the Bowman U boxes yet from Fanatics. Had to reach out. It's been a, been over a week. They haven't even shipped. Hmm. Literally got all the orders from Tops, all the orders from Dave and Adams, from everywhere else that we ordered from, but not Fanatics, which is weird. Fanatics owns Tops. Tops sells the Bowman U on their website, but I bought it through Fanatics because I had a Fanatics gift card. So I reached out to them, and it's hard to get, you know, you're talking to a bot at first, and then you're apparently supposed to be talking to a live person through their chat feature. But I quickly could figure out it's not a live person (laughs) based on the responses. Yeah. So a little disappointed that that hasn't even shipped yet. So we'll keep you posted on that. But And then I still have the Fleer Retro football, and I've got the WNBA Prism boxes still debating whether I'm going to rip those. I am going to rip the Flare Retro, but I'm debating whether I'm going to rip the Prism WMBA boxes. So we'll see how we do on that. But all if we do, we'll, we'll maybe talk about it next time. And we'll post some of the hits that we pulled from some of these boxes um, on social media as well. All right. Where else should we go? The big news is out. Did you hear it? No, I mean, I read it here. This is interesting. Yeah. The big news is out. From Of course, everyone's probably seen it now. But if you haven't, Fanatics, Tops, Finally came out with that big news they said they were going to announce in March. Well, they waited till March 30th, but there was a reason for it, I think. They wanted to time it with opening day in baseball, Major League Baseball, and so they did. They announced yesterday on opening day of Major League Baseball that every player making their Major League Baseball debut will wear an MLB debut patch on their uniform in their first game, and then that patch, when they, you know, after the game or maybe in between innings or whenever that's going to happen, they're going to you know take that uniform that patch is going to be removed and it's going to be used to make the ultimate one of one rookie card for that player in a future tops product Mm -hmm. pretty cool it's interesting yeah it's pretty cool i think it's going to be huge i do think it's important and i did post this question to people on social media because the one thing i got thinking about is Are they going to do autos on this as well? Are they going to make that a rookie patch auto card, or are they just going to do the patch? Because remember, there's been, and I'll have to dig through the archives of some of the podcasts and interviews Josh Luber has done, but I can remember from, I don't know, months ago, a year ago, whenever it was, Luber talking about Fanatics and Tops and wanting to, if not eliminate, minimize the number of redemptions. Speaking of the redemptions we were talking about earlier, number of redemption cards, and I remember, I feel like I remember him talking about, you know, that they could do some innovative things with patches and memorabilia and some different things to make those cards cool and not necessarily have to do autos because it's the autos that creates the need for the redemptions because you're waiting for the player to sign the cards, right? And they may not get them done by the time the product releases, so they put that as a redemption. And so then it got me wondering, are they going to do this? Is this card just going to be a one-on-one patch card? Or are they going to make it an rpa with the auto on it a rookie patch with the auto i hope they do the auto i really do so if there's anyone from tops and fanatics listening please 
do autos, make these RPAs, not just patch cards. I did a poll on social media. It's not over yet. Still, still taking responses. But as it sits now, I asked people what how what would be your take on this in terms of an auto? Does it does it matter? Is it an awesome card even if it doesn't have the auto? Only 14% of respondents said that. And then I went to the other side and said, you're not interested at all if it doesn't have an auto on it. 71% said that. Interesting. That'll be up for another day or so. But anyway, but right now, the overwhelming majority of people that have responded and voted has said, if there's not an auto on that card, they are not interested. So if I hope Fanatics and Tops are listening and turn those cards into RPAs. Well, I feel like you can't call it the ultimate rookie card if it doesn't have an autograph, I feel like. That's a good point. I feel like if you, you can't. If you call it the ultimate. If you're calling it the ultimate one, it has to have like yeah. everything. And maybe they plan to have an auto. Like, we don't know. I don't know. There's nothing. There was nothing that said they are or aren't going to have an auto they just said they're going to use the patch to create the ultimate 101 rookie card so yeah so i just that was more my my i was kind of thinking about that i'm like oh my goodness what if what if this is something they're going to try to do to limit you know to not have to have a redemption and they only do a patch 101 i don't know that they're going to do that so maybe the plan all along is to do an rpa i'm just saying it probably makes sense for people in the hobby to speak up now and let fanatics and tops know so that if they did have any thought of making it just a patch card that they would know that no that that would flop the hobby does not want that the hobby wants an auto on this make it an rpa and boy if they do that could you imagine these cards it it, they're going to be huge and they're going to go i mean like if you get a volpe this year because he's going to you know some of the rookies this year they're going to be part of this because they started this literally yesterday on opening day, all the rookies that started in their first game. So guys like on the Yankees, Anthony Volpe or Jordan Walker uh, with the Cardinals, they're all going to have these MLB debut patches that are going to be turned into cards and be in a future Topps product later this year. I think that's, I think that's pretty cool, and I think those cards are going to, those are going to be absolutely huge. You know those are going to sell for a pretty penny whenever they come out, especially being one-on-ones like that. I imagine some of them will probably end up hitting five, six figures, something like that. We'll see. But so that was your big news from Tops Fanatics. So what do you think? Was that That's a cool. game changer? No. No? You don't think so? Why not? What do you mean game changer? Why would that be a game for changer? For the hobby, because it's something different, something unique and different cool. that hasn't I been done before. I wouldn't call it a game changer. What would what be a game mean? changer in your mind? I don't know. Yeah. Show me a game changer, and I'll tell you that's a game changer. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess it's probably, yeah, to your point, maybe it's not a game changer because they've done game, but it is a game changer because that's never been done before to actually have them wear something like that. I mean, they've used game-worn material, right? But to have them actually wear something specific like that, and that's the kind of thing you can do now that, see, Fanatics has the player associations as part of their deal, so now this is the kind of thing they can do, right, to get them involved and, and create. So I, th- I, I thought it was pretty cool. Definitely an innovative I mean, you think it's a, you think it's a cool idea. You think it's innovative, yeah. yeah. Just don't necessarily think it's like groundbreaking. No. All right. What else? The Mint Collective's going on now. That looks like a lot of fun. So, like I said before, we are not going to be there this year, but looking forward to hearing all about it from those that are in attendance. Um, I did want to touch on one thing because there's been some talk about like all the hobby drama and content creators that re- that talk about hobby drama. So I did want to just maybe mention one thing to be clear on 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 what our uh, sort of position is on some of this. We do talk about the hobby drama a fair amount. 
when it comes up. And when I say drama, like, hey, if there's, you know, some a breaker's doing something they shouldn't do or whatever it might be. The reason we do that, though, is we is to we're not trying to we're not doing it to sort of gossip or speak ill of anybody. It's really more about informing people and educating people on here's here's the kind of stuff that can happen and go on. And here's the kind of stuff you need to look out for and making people aware. I think it's important. The more informed you are, the more knowledgeable you get of all the different things that can happen out there, the more you can protect yourself from some of that stuff and, you know, improve your own journey and experience in the hobby. So that's why we do that. All right, should we go March Madness? I guess. Get off of those topics? I guess. Where do you want men's or women's? Let's do women's. I don't so care about the, the men's. Well, let's, let's, so let's, okay. All right. Well, the women, the women is, so I'll boast a little bit on this one because then in the men, I've, you know, any boasting I do in the women's, I got completely humbled by the men's bracket. I have all four, I, my final, I predict the final four correct in women. I have South Carolina against Iowa and I have, Virginia Tech against LSU in the Final Four. So that was cool. I'm really looking forward to those games. Those are going to be some fantastic games, too. South Carolina and Iowa in particular. Yeah, that's a good one. It's going to be a very good one. Caitlin Clark for Iowa in that game in the uh, Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. 40-point triple-double she had in the win over Louisville. 41 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. The first player... In tournament history she was the first player in tournament history to have a 30 point triple triple double and then made it a 40 point triple double it was her fifth triple double of the year 11th of her career by the way sabrina ionescu has the most in ncaa history with 26 and oh by the way that's not just ncaa men or women's history that's ncaa history men or women sabrina ionescu has the most triple doubles with 26 clark now with 11 in her career and by the way she's a junior so yeah she has a, I mean I don't know if she's going to come back and play next year but if she does she probably has a, a shot well maybe I mean that's a lot she had five this year so that's a, that she'd be she's still what 15 short of Sabrina so maybe maybe that's a bit of a stretch to get there but who knows she could she also scored double she scored double digits in 88 straight games I'm telling you, Caitlin Clark is a fun player to watch. And and uh, her partner in crime there, Monica uh, Sinano, the two of them do well. I think they match up pretty decent against South Carolina. South Carolina might have a little bit of a size advantage on them. But Sinano's, you know, she's got some size underneath. So we'll see how they do. By the way, Caitlin Clark was also named the AP Women's Player of the Year. She got 20 of the 28 votes. She averaged 27 points, 8.3 assists, and 7.5 boards during the season. Helped Iowa go 26 and 6. She has uh, 984 points, which is the sixth most in a season by any uh, player in Division I women's history. And she also has over 300 assists. So, anyway, now they're going to take on the undefeated South Carolina team in the uh, final four and the Gamecocks are led by obviously Aaliyah Boston Leah was last season's winner of the player of the the year award she had and she got the other eight votes there are 28 votes this year Caitlin Clark got 20 of them Leah Boston got the other eight I mean that's what we expected so did you though yeah what do I you mean there's many other players that I think it's definitely between those two give me a break yeah 
That's true. Who but who else besides those two would you vote for when there's only 28 voters? Give me a break. Well, that's yeah. I mean, but there's. I mean, gosh, I could think of a lot of different players. Like, what about um, uh, Matty Segrist, who was the leading scorer in not, the NCAA? That's not on par with these two. Yeah. Well, but she was the leading scorer. Yeah, but she's not on a winning team. Well, they lost to who'd they lose to? They lose to Miami. Uh, Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or what about who's the on Louisville? Haley Van Lith. I mean, she put up 26, I think, in that game against Iowa. She's not in the same class. Yeah. But she, man, she was shooting the lights out in that game, though. She did play well, uh, but her team fell, fell short. Or uh, what about some of the Stanford, like Haley Jones? Like None of these players have had seasons like these two. Like that's, These are yeah. like the clear, like, number one picks and, like, give me a break. No, it's fair. I don't know why that's, like, not surpri- like, that's yeah. surprising to anybody. It's fair. That's fair. I don't think it's surprising to anybody necessarily, but we've said it before. It's just the women's, women's college basketball is just stacked with talent. There are so many good players uh, in, in women's college basketball right now. So fun to watch. Those games are going to be good. And the men's side, all right, now – for as much as I got, I literally got all the women's side right. I got none of the men's, not one team <laughs> did I make it to the final four yeah. in the men's. I'm completely out. Uh, the final four is we got San Diego State going against FAU and then Miami and UConn. I'm kind of doubting anyone had San Diego State and FAU. Maybe Miami and UConn, you could see. Those are, those are two, you know, they were, what, four and five seeds? Yeah. But two pretty good teams. I mean, Miami, you know, I think they were. I think they're something like five and one against top twenty ranked teams. So I mean, they've had a really good season. They're playing well. UConn obviously has a good team. You know, San Diego State. It's a good team as well. But still, I, I don't know. Is San Diego State were they the four or the five seed? I think they might have been the five seed. And then FAU is what the nine. Yep. Yeah. So you got a five and a nine and a four and a five. There's not a, all ones are out. All twos are out. All threes are out. Has that ever happened before? No. Do you know that, or are you just saying that? We, we, there's never been an Elite Eight without a one. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. So, and, and in our family bracket, we got, I don't know, 20 or 25 people in there on the men's side. Not Nobody has anybody left. Yeah. <laughs> nobody had any of these teams in the Final Four. I don't know. My pick would either be Miami or UConn. I, I kind of like Miami. I think it's UConn. But, yeah, I know you've been leaning UConn a lot. I kind of like Miami because I mean, Miami's good. They're yeah. good, and I feel like they they play better against the better teams. Like I said, I think they're yeah. like five and one against top twenty ranked teams this year. So I don't know. We'll see. There should be some good games there as well. What else? Baseball. Baseball season's upon us. Unfortunately, the Mets got more bad news. Justin Verlander goes on the DL right before the season starts. It's a strained muscle of some kind. I didn't see all the specifics on it. Remember, they lost Edwin Diaz. So they did have Scherzer on the mound opening day. And uh, the Yankees, I think we mentioned it before, they did put 21-year-old Anthony Volpe on their opening day roster. That's going to be a a hot prospect that collectors in the hobby have already been pursuing. And this will only make him even hotter and continue. Jordan Walker is another one, made the opening day roster for the Cardinals. He was a first-round pick in 2020, outfielder, 20 years old making his debut with the Cardinals. Neither one of them necessarily had a – I think Volpe hit ninth and went 0 for 2. Walker, I think, hit 7th or 8th in the lineup, went 1 for 5. Did get his first hit, though. But, you know, it's day one. Hmm. Now, there were some players, notable players, that came out came out of the gates on opening day. 
just crushing it. So Adley Rutschman, the um, catcher for the Baltimore Orioles, big first day. I think he had five hits, went five for five. Uh, Wander Franco, Alec Baum, uh, Dylan Cease, Garrett Cole, just name a few. I saw O'Neill Cruz, and then some of your usual suspects, Nolan Arenado. You know, Bo Bichette had a good day coming out for Toronto, as did uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, a lot, a lot of players. And Otani, fantastic day. Got the opening day start, went six scoreless innings for the Angels. Only gave up two hits, struck out ten. He went one for three at the plate with a walk. But similar to years past with the Angels, they lost two to one to the A's. Come on. The Angels have got to get it together. They have one of the best players in all, two of the best players in all of baseball, Otani and Mike Trout. Otani throws six scoreless innings and they lose two to one to the A's. Yeah. That's Ah, ridiculous, man. it is ridiculous. It makes me. It, it drives me crazy. I'm not even an Angels fan, and it's driving me crazy. I do like Trout. I do like Otani. So I guess I kind of pull for the Angels. But I'm a Dodgers fan, and I'm still like I'm just going crazy about what what's happening with the Angels. But hey, it's day one, so can't overreact just yet. I guess we can, but no, you can't. Huh? No, you can't. <laughs> I can't. Right. No. There's like a hundred. There's like 300 games left. All right. Give me a break. <laughs> It only feels like that, but no, yeah, that's there's, there's a lot of games left to be played. Uh, all right, should we do jersey numbers? Yeah. Show number 74 today. Why don't you get us kicked off? All right, from the NFL, we have Fred Dean, Hall of Famer defensive line. He was selected 33rd overall in the 75 draft by the Chargers. He wore 71 with the Chargers and 74 with the 49ers. Played 11 seasons. Three cards in the 78 top set. Yeah, that set, that's a great set. All the cards in that set, I think, are I just love the design of that. Then we have uh, so a bunch of offensive and defensive linemen, as you would expect, given the number 74. Jimbo Covert or Covert. He was an offensive lineman in the Hall of Fame. Sixth player overall drafted in 1983. Played eight seasons, all with Dub Bears. And during the 80s, he cleared the path for Walter Payton. And he was named to the 1980s All-Decade team. His rookie cards in the 1984 top set. Same set that has the Dan Marino and John Elway rookie cards in it. All right, and then Henry Jordan, defensive line Hall of Famer. He shows up under multiple numbers, but he played most of his career for the Packers in the 60s. Under Vince Lombardi, his rookie card is in the 61 top set. Yep, and then Bob Lilly's another defensive lineman in the Hall of Fame, played 14 seasons, all with the Cowboys from 61 to 74. And get this, he played 196 consecutive games. That's hard to do on the defensive line. They just made him different back in the day. Uh, he became known as Mr. Cowboy. He was the first player who spent his entire... This is kind of surprising if you think about it. First player who spent his entire career with the Cowboys to be elected to the Hall of Fame. His rookie cards in the 1963 top set. And then uh, Bruce Matthews, Hall of Fame offensive line. Uh, I think we've mentioned him with some of his family that's been on the list with some earlier numbers. We have, yep. He played 19 seasons all with the Oilers and Titans from 83 to 2001. He was the ninth overall pick in 83. He played for so long that his former USC teammate Jeff Fisher became his coach. Um, 14 consecutive Pro Bowls. His record is in the 89 sets. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Think about it. He literally played with Jeff Fisher in college, 
and then Jeff Fisher became his coach while he was with the Titans. Yeah, that's interesting. He's had a long career. And what's interesting, too, 14 consecutive Pro Bowls. There's only one other player, I believe, to have ever done that. That other player is on this list, and Mm -hmm. we'll get to him in just a minute. But um, So the next one is Mike McCormack, Hall of Fame offensive lineman, 10 seasons from 51 to 62, mostly with Cleveland and his rookie cards in the 1955 Bowman set. All right, and then Ron Mix, Hall of Famer, offensive line. He played 11 seasons, most with the Chargers. He was assessed with just two holding penalties during his career. Think about that. Just two holding penalties in 11 seasons? Hmm. That's crazy. Um, His line coach with the Chargers gave him the nickname the Intellectual Assassin um, because he attended law school at night. His rookie card is in the 1960 Fleer set. I don't know if you can be considered an assassin on the offensive line, but... Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some of those guys. Isn't the point? In isn't the point of an assassin to be like silent and like quick and agile? I mean, I guess, but it's also to like you know. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a four hundred pound assassin. Is all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Some of these guys, though. You know how fast some of these guys are? These offensive linemen running. You know how loud he point, would be. Four point. You know how 40s, loud he like, would be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Well, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right, the next one I mean, on the maybe list. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's not. Maybe you can still be an assassin. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have. I think the it's more definition. about him probably like taking guys out, right? Well, yeah, clearing. But the I'm path. just saying, what it, what is an assassin? Well, in football, it's just. I think it's just. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's move on. Merlin Olson's the next one. This is the one I was just mentioning, uh, or this is the one we were talking about uh, with Bruce Matthews. The other one that has been in 14 consecutive Pro Bowls. Merlin Olson, Hall of Fame, defensive lineman, 15 seasons. Like I said, 14 consecutive Pro Bowls, all with the Rams. He was with the Rams from 62 to 76. He also became, some may know him as a color commentator, broadcasting games with Dick Enberg for a number of years. They did a number of Super Bowls together. I loved listening to him as a commentator. And then he also became an actor. He was on Little House on the Prairie, Father Murphy, Highway to Heaven. I can remember watching him on several of those shows. Been a few different shows. His rookie card is a cool one. It's in the 1964 Philadelphia set. And then not in the Hall of Fame, I'll take this, Michael Orr. I mean, I thought he was a notable one. Remember, you know Michael Orr, right? Mm-hmm. The movie The Blind Side? Yeah. That's who that's about. And he wore, he wore, he's worn a couple different numbers, but I think when he first came in the league with the Ravens, he was number 74. And his rookie cards in the 09 sets. Uh, nobody really in basketball, NBA or WNBA. And then, you know, baseball, Kenley Jansen, one of my favorites, relief pitcher for the Dodgers, now with the Braves. Nearly four, he's still playing, nearly 400 saves, which is good for eighth all time. Career 2.46 ERA, 0.94 whip. His rookie cards in the 2010, easy for me to say, 2010 sets. Honorable mention to Eloy Jimenez, outfielder with the White Sox, maybe. He's still playing. Hasn't really amassed enough of a career to probably put him on this list, but we'll give him an honorable mention. And then I guess, I mean, John Carlson, honorable mention for the NHL. Yeah, still plays for the Capitals. He had a teammate, was it TJ Oshie, Oshie? That wore, I think, 74 with the Blues, but when he came to the Capitals, had to change numbers. You could maybe He could be maybe an honorable mention as well, but we'll give it to Carlson. He's, he played with the Capitals from 2009 until current, still playing today. So there you go. There's our number 74s. Who's your pick? Um, what is it? Bruce, Bruce Matthews. You're going Bruce Matthews? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, I I have to. I'm going to go the other guy that went 14 consecutive Pro Bowls and go Merlin Olsen. 
I have a buddy growing up. Actually, I think he listens to the podcast. I'll mention his name. Shout out to him if he listens to the podcast. Ron Albano. <laughs> so shout out to Ron. He's a big Rams fan. Ron and I grew up together. He was a Rams fan. I was a Broncos fan. But I, you know, Merlin Olsen with the Rams. I can remember watching him play when we were little, wee little kids. And then, like I said, hearing him broadcast games and then acting later in his career. So there you go. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the halftime report. All right, we'll move through these fairly quickly. PSA posted on their social media pages. They graded a copy of the 1969 Topps Bobby Orr card. It received a 10, which was just the second 10 out of more than 600 copies authenticated and graded by PSA. It's a very popular card among collectors. Not his rookie card, by the way. That's in the 66-67 set, but a, but a um, popular, and that will be a highly valuable one. All right, and then MySlabs has implemented a fee increase on the seller fee from 1% to 2% is also starting an affiliate advertising program that they believe will bring more eyes to the platform and seller inventory slash listings so you can go to myslabs.com to learn more yeah and then a couple of buyout offers the first one i'll take is a, a, a collectible received a buyout offer for their 1910 tip top bread honus wagner car this was graded five by psa the offer was for $90,000, which was a 5% premium over the last traded price on the, on the platform, but it was 21% below the IPO price. And somewhat surprisingly, in my opinion, that offer was accepted by shareholders. So it will be sold. All right, and then there's another buyout, which was her offer, I should say, for the 59 Tops Willie Mays basket of two PSA 9s. The offer was for $28,000, which was about an 8% premium over the last traded price, but down about 5% from the IPO price. Shareholders are now voting on whether to accept or reject that offer, so we should hear the results within about the next day or so. Yeah, and then the bounty we talked about last time for that Kakawao Phantom 2023 Disney 100 Years of Wonder Mickey Mouse card, the one of one, uh, there was a $20,000 bounty issued by, I guess, the whoever goes by the handle at Raspy Slabs on Instagram. Well, now, whoever goes by the handle at Fractor Elman, I don't know who that is, but at Fractor Elman on Instagram, upped the bounty to $30,000. So now we'll pay thir- whoever that is will pay $30,000 if you end up pulling that card. No no word yet on whether that at Raspy Slabs is going to counter with an even higher offer. So we'll see. But right. heating up for those Disney cards. All right, and then Panini announced that their 2023 Prism UFC release will have the first officially licensed autograph card of Hasbulla uh, Magomedov. Uh, Hasbullah became a social media sensation during the pandemic in 2020 with a bunch of his uh, TikTok posts going viral. Yeah, have you? Did you, have you, seen you know it. who yeah, this I is? Know who's, it's who's that. It's that. Yeah, yeah. It's he's like. I think they. And I don't know if anyone knows how old he is. He's but, like 20 something. Yeah, but I've heard he's in his 20, maybe 20 years old or in his 20s. But he has. Um, I think it's called growth hormone. Uh, growth. Def- hormone deficiency or something like that. I forget what the, the disease is called, but so. He's he's like I think he's like three foot four or whatever, but he's got a bunch. He of, looks like a baby. Kind of yeah, well not a baby, but looks like kind of looks kid. a little bit like a younger kid. Yeah, definitely does not look like he's in his in his twenties for sure. But he's got some really f- kind of funny video, and there's been a you know a lot of funny memes. He has something like I don't he has like several million I think followers on social media. So yeah, we we can I think there's been a bunch of pictures posted by other content producers in the hobby on on that particular card, but thought that was kind of funny and it's probably going to be a, a popular chase card in that set. And then Michael Rubin uh, of Fanatics gave a fan a surprise by FaceTiming Devin Booker. He was 
in a card shop talking with a young girl that was a huge Devin Booker fan. And there's some video out there on social media where you can see this. It's it's pretty cool. He got and so he was talking to this girl, got his phone out, FaceTime Devin Booker, and then, you know, brought the girl she got to see Booker talk to him. She was looking at some of his cards, looking to buy some of his cards. And so anyway, I just thought that was cool. Nice to see Michael Rubin sort of, you know, getting involved and, you know, going to card shows, going to card shops, interacting with fans and uh, becoming more knowledgeable on the space and, you know, providing those kinds of experiences. So that was that was pretty cool. All right. And then uh, one of Whatnot's answers to the breaking drama is they're implementing a Whatnot watch program where they will pay people to watch breaks and report on any funny business. The program perks will include being paid, getting Whatnot merch, and more. Yeah. That's the, that, remember the break last time we talked about where the kid took the card and then the owner of the breaking company came out and said, you know, they fired the kid on that or whatever. That was kind of their response to that is that they're going to try to, you know, get, try to use, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Um, kind of community, use the community to help police this. Um, this, we won't talk about this today cause we don't have time, but it does bring up a larger topic that at some point I do want to spend some time on. And that is whether or not the hobby should regulate breakers. Generally, I'm not a fan of regulation, but I have heard more people in the space kind of calling for that. And so that's a topic I want to dive into at a later time, but for now, let's move on. Should we do some record sales from card ladder? Yeah. All right. I'll take the first one. We had a 1934 with baseball starting. This was a Gaudi Lou Gehrig in a PSA 5 that sold for $11,100 via Heritage. All right, we'll get 2011 Finest Mike Trout Auto Red Refractor, number to 25, PSA 10, which was sold for $30,000 on Golden. Yep, and then I'll do the 2019, you do the 2015. 2019 Bowman Wonder Franco Chrome Super Fractor. This is the one of one. It was graded 10 by BGS, which is a great grade for a one of one Super Fractor. It sold for $26,400 via Golden. 2015 Panini National Treasures Nikola Jokic RPA number 299 PSA 9. It sold for $12,300 $12, on Golden. Yeah, a lot of these, uh, that Golden auction set a lot of records, and the Joker stuff continues to do well. And then this was cool. 1972 Tops Phil Jackson. I have this card. I, don't, I think I have it raw. I don't know if I have it graded. It probably will not get a PSA 10. This was a PSA 10. Pop count is very low on that. It might be something like two or five or something. I think it's single digits, number of tens that are out there. And uh, for those who don't know, Phil Jackson obviously was a player, but obviously was the, if you don't know, was the coach of the Chicago Bulls during the Jordan era. Also went to the Lakers. And where else did he go? Just the Lakers. Yeah, just Lakers. But how many championships did he win as a coach? It's like um, 10 or I something, think, isn't it? Um because he won 11. six, 11, yes. yeah, something like that. Anyway, this card, the 72 tops, PSA 10, sold for $16,700 via eBay. Then we have a 72 tops Wilt Chamberlain PSA 10, which sold for $24,544 on eBay. Yeah, a couple of 72 tops PSA 10, so maybe someone's trying to collect that. I was happy to see this next one, because I do have this card, although I have it in a PSA 10. This was a PSA 9. It was the 2018 Topps Chrome Sapphire Shohei Otani, and it sold for $2,000 via eBay. Now we have a 2021 Panini Prism Trevor Lawrence Silver SGC 9.5, which sold for $699.99 on eBay. Call it 700 bucks. Yep. 2019 Panini Absolute Jimmy Garoppolo. This was the Kaboom that you can pull from that set. It was the gold parallel, which is serial number to 10. It was raw, not graded, and it sold for $1,015 via eBay. 
And finally, a 2020 Bowman Draft Jordan Walker Chrome Prospects Auto, BGS 9.5 and 10, sold for $1,650 on eBay. Yeah, that's Jordan Walker. That's the one we talked about at the beginning of the show, right, that the Cardinals uh, put him on the roster for opening day. So he is going to have one of those 101 MLB debut patch cards coming out later in the year. I'm sure if his uh, Chrome Prospects Auto is selling for $1,650, I can only imagine what yeah. that MLB patch debut card is going to go for. All right, well, that's going to be it for the halftime report, so let's go ahead and move on to film study. All right, so we've got some hockey and some basketball. Let's start off with some hockey, and not a lot to cover here, but just a couple things to touch on, and then we'll jump over to basketball. But did uh, get a couple of housekeeping items out of the way. Alexander Ovechkin passed Wayne Gretzky for the most 40-goal seasons in league history. He's now done it 13 times versus Gretzky, who did it 12 times. He also has 820 goals, which puts him just 75 behind Gretzky for the most all-time. And he was the fifth player to have a 40-plus goal season at the age of 37 or older. So Ovechkin continues uh, to do well. And then Connor McDavid, another maybe younger star in the NHL, uh, became the first player since 1996 to reach 140 points in a single season. As of the day we're, or the time that we're recording this, he's got 144 right now. And by the way, his partner, Leon Dreisaitl, second right now in the league with 117. So that's quite the one-two punch. We talked about that before. But he was the first Oilers player to have a, a 140 or more since Wayne Gretzky. So he continues to do well. And uh, another one I'd point out is uh, Miko Rantanen. Um, I think we talked about him before, but man, for the Colorado Avalanche, he is having an absolutely outstanding season. I'm going to pull up, see if I can pull up his card ladder index and see how some of his cards have been doing. So in the card ladder, I guess in the verified sales, they've only got his young guns. And so if I look at that in a PSA 10, his young guns last sold yesterday for $140, Miko Ranton in, in a PSA 10, $140. And over the last three months, that's basically flat. Basically hasn't moved up or down. Over the last year, it's down. A year ago, that card was selling for between $250 and $300. And let's pan out even more. Let's pan out a couple of years. Yep, a couple years, 300 to $350 over the last couple years. It will pan out one more time all time. But if you go back prior to the pandemic, or really prior to, yeah, if you go back into like 2020, 2019, that card was selling for between $50 and $100. So anyway, so, you know, if you're a Colorado Avalanche fan or a Miko Rantanen fan, could be an interesting time to t- take a look at his stuff. He is um, third in the league in goals scored with 48. He's got 88 total points. His partner, Nathan McKinnon, has 95. McKinnon has 32 goals and 63 assists. But uh, Rantanen likely going to set a career high in points. His career high was 92 last season. He's at 88. It's just only a handful of games left, so we'll see. Um, but he's already set a career mark in goals scored His pre- with the 48 he's got this year. His previous high was 36. So he's... Um, He's one to watch. I, I really like him. I think he's a, he's a good player. And, and like I said, if you're a Avalanche fan or a, or a Miko Rantanen fan, keep your eyes on him. There is a tight race for the playoffs in the West that's been developing between, uh, I think we mentioned before, you've got Winnipeg, Calgary, and Nashville. Now, Calgary has actually moved into the ninth spot ahead of Nashville. Let me pull the standings up here. So I've got 
the most recent results in front of me. Change this, do it by conference. But yeah, so Calgary's got what, 83 points. Nashville's got 82, and Winnipeg has got 85. And Nashville still has a game in hand over both Calgary and Winnipeg. So you know, we'll see. It's gonna be, a, it's gonna probably go right down to the last few games here in the West for that last playoff spot. Same thing is happening in the East uh, with Pittsburgh, Florida, and maybe even Ottawa with an outside shot at the East because right now you've got Pittsburgh in that that eighth spot with uh, 84 points, Florida with 83, Ottawa a little bit further behind with 79, but Ottawa does have a game in hand at least against, well, they don't have a game in hand against Pittsburgh, but they do against Florida. We'll see how that plays out. Maybe not quite as tight there as it is in the West, but the rest, the other, you know, one through seven are probably, you know, there might be some moving around between them, but those, but the, 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 those teams are pretty well, I think, solidified. So it's really just, you know, two or three teams competing for that eighth and, and final spot in the playoffs in, in both conferences. So going to be fun to watch. Like I said, I think that's going to come down to the last few games of season because I think we only have about maybe, what, six, seven games left for most of these teams. So we'll see how that goes. All right, basketball? Sure. Where do you want to start? I don't know. Where do you want to start? I don't know. How about uh, the drought's over? Yeah, well, we knew it was going to be. I mean, we knew it. Yeah, but it's officially over for the Sacramento Kings. 16-year hiatus comes to an end. Last time they made the playoffs was in 2006, and they're going to be in the playoffs again this year. I just need to see how they do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they can outscore everybody in the playoffs, but we'll see what they can do. They're a good team. Well, they're going to be in they yeah, I mean, they're going to be in the third spot most likely. Yeah. I mean, so who knows who they'll play if we <laughs> Yeah, because the thing is we're not going to know who we're not going to have any idea of who these guys are going to play until basically it's already set because of how tight this is. So Yeah. But there's a there's shot. Like, there's like five teams But if it play. if it finished today, they would play Golden State, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. If it's are they six? Yep. Yeah. Golden State's six right now. Yeah, they play Golden State. But like you said, there's gonna be some shuffling around here um with those teams in the in the four through ten spots. Well, seven through ten is the play in, obviously, but um anyway, but yeah, all of those teams I mean if you look at this, the four through ten, there's literally only three games separating those teams. Yeah. So now there's only about what, five or six games left to play. Mm-hmm. But like that's enough to move. Like this, this moves every day. So yeah, um, their first round matchup will be, I think, might be the most important thing to see. Like if they'll actually make a deep playoff run or not, because they could get, like I said, they could get gold. Like you said, they could get Golden State. They could possibly get the Clippers. They could get the Lakers. A bunch of these teams that have kind of veteran leadership have been to the finals, have won the finals. Um, players like that so Sacramento is still super young not very experienced in the playoffs so yeah um, it'll be interesting to see how they actually end up doing because they kind of have some doo-doo defense so it'll be interesting to see if they can outscore everybody well and uh, yeah it, it does, yeah exactly and I, I wonder too though so you mentioned the Clippers they're another one I really like the Clippers and they've won seven of the last ten seem to be gelling well now with Westbrook have some veteran, you know, players on that team, some stud players on that team, but right now, again, I guess it all depends how this, you know, plays out. But right now, they would have a really tough draw 
I, they'd be one I would pick to potentially make a deep run, with the exception of if the season ended today, I think their first round draw would be Phoenix. Yeah, it would be, and that's. But like the thing is, you're gonna have to beat in the West. You're gonna have to beat a good team in every round, no matter who you are, pretty much. Yeah. Um, because it is so tight. Like Denver and like Memphis may get off kind of easy, depending on who makes it into that seven eight slot. It just depends. But pretty much everybody else. The, the run is going to be hard every single round because you're going to either play like, you know, it's, it's either like a 4-5 matchup where you're both like about the same or, you know, it's a, a veteran team that's just kind of slid. Well, and the Suns, have, the Suns have Durant come back now from exactly. his injury. Exactly, and that kind of puts them as the favorite for most people, I think, to come out of the West. So, Although Memphis has jaw back and they are 8 Eight and two in their last ten. And I don't course, know, man. You know, Phoenix is. I feel like Phoenix with Kevin Durant is like a whole other animal. I really do. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. What about Denver? I mean, it's interesting to see. I mean, I think. I guess it depends on where the well, seating ends up. And then up, you but... can't count out Golden State either. I mean, and then and here's the other thing. I know, now I know I'm going to get laughed at for this, but what about the Lakers? I don't think you get laughed at for that. I feel like everybody has a legitimate shot. I feel like if you get the Lakers in, they get a good matchup in the first round. They have LeBron on that team healthy. They can yeah. beat anybody. Well, that's what I was I just going to say. Like, so LeBron is back from like injury. They can, they, they, realistically, Davis they can. Anthony is playing well. Yeah. And like, the thing is, after that trade, LeBron went down pretty soon after. But that trade they made was looking like it was a pretty big deal. Um, and so they kind of treaded water with LeBron out. And now with LeBron back, um, we'll see what they can actually do do but like i said like lebron in the playoffs i don't think seating actually matters i think that's that's a threat no matter what well, and ad right yeah I mean. exactly it's a good team so i mean yeah and the warriors a lot of people would count out the warriors but i'm kind of looking at it it's interesting because so the only reason that they're not good is their home road split right they're like 30 and 8 at home and like eight and thirty on the road or something. Yep. And they're obviously not going to have home court, so they're going to have to win on the road, right? But like, if you win all your home games, yeah, you only have to win you one on the road. Win one. I mean, so right. like, I'm thinking about that. Like, and like, they're like the best team in the NBA at home, and like the Houston Rockets away. So it's like, I think they can get one win on the road. So I yeah. don't know, man. I don't think I, you I can count like, out last year's champs, right? Yeah. I mean, and they're and they're like saying they might like, have Wiggins back for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and like, that's what I'm saying is like, everybody's saying like, oh, well, they have to win on the road in the playoffs. Well, like, they only have to technically win one game. Yeah, I, you're probably gonna have to win more than that, ideally, because you don't want to go seven every single round. I just feel like being as good of a team as they are at home, I, I would be hesitant to, you know, they're still a veteran team at the end of the day. Yeah. So, well, and you know, like I said, Memphis is hot now. Clippers. It was interesting. So Clippers and Memphis played each other just recently, and Westbrook actually, I'll, I'll say out-dual Jaw. That's a little bit of a, I mean, it won more assists than Jaw. But, ha, you know, Westbrook had 36 points, 4 rebounds, 10 assists. Jaw had 36 points, 4 rebounds, 9 assists. And uh, Clippers win. It's a big win for them. But you're right. I mean, you look across the board in the West, and, man, it's, uh, it's yeah, it. You kind of feel like any of those teams are, are, are capable of beating anybody, but at the end of the day, I do I do kind of wonder about Denver, Phoenix, Golden State. You know, 
Sacramento is going to be, you know, probably a, a favorite. Clippers might be a favor, fan favorite. When I say favorite, I mean fan favorite to try to make a run. But kind of feel like Golden State, Phoenix, Denver, you know, maybe Memphis. I feel but, like Golden State's so more of a question mark. I would say Denver and Phoenix for me are the two. And maybe maybe Memphis yeah. depends. Yeah. Certainly not Minnesota because the NBA doesn't want Minnesota in the playoffs. <laughs> Right, I haven't seen this. <laughs> According to Rudy Gobert, he, he accused uh, I mean, the NBA of conspiring blame, I, against Minnesota, suggesting they want to see the bigger market teams in the playoffs. And, I mean, and, can you blame the guy though? I don't. Well, I don't blame the guy. No, I mean, look, like, it's. I'm not. I don't want to make too much like, out of I just one comment. But, I don't think there's any secret that like you know bigger market teams are better for the NBA in the playoffs. But here's like, the problem with that. I mean, a good mix is, I think, the best. But like. You would, I mean, you want big market teams in there. For no, sure. I agree. But here's the problem with that. Let's look at how the standings are laid out this year. Like, right, Sacramento, that's not a big market, right? I mean, unless you want to pull from a broader California, ge- ge- you know, geographic area, but that market in and of itself is not. Memphis is certainly not a big market, and they're sitting at number two. Milwaukee in the East, the number one in the East. That's not a big market, per, you know. So, I mean, come on. And on the flip side, Chicago. Yeah, but, I mean, Chicago's fair, a big market. To be fair, I mean, these small market teams have, like, generational talents and are built yeah. to win through. Like, I'm not saying Rudy Gobert is right. I don't think he is, but, I mean. Well, and or what about, like, Dallas? Dallas is a huge market. They've got Luka, generational talent. They may, let's, let's come back to that because they may not even make the playoffs. I think the point is at the end of the day, you can't it's, – it's really hard to, like, actually accomplish I know. a conspiracy not, to – Yeah, exactly. I'm not buying the – I just – I'm not buying – and Minnesota's going to be in the playoffs, so I don't know what he – or at well, least we'll in see. the – Well, they're in the play They've been bouncing between the, – They've been bouncing between six and seven, so – Yeah, but I consider – I, I kind of cons- – I know it's technically not the playoffs, but I kind of consider the playoff – the play-in part of the playoffs. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's not like – and like you said, they're, they're eighth right now. And frankly, too – I mean, when you look at some of the, like, the let's take the Warriors and Gold, and Steph, right, as an example. So, oh, they want the big markets like Golden State and the big stars like Steph Curry. Really? Well, when you look at the stats, the Warriors have the fewest three free throw attempts of any team in the league. Yeah, but that's because of their, that's because of how they're built. <laughs> they are not a team that is built to draw the fouls. The Suns are the third fewest. They are not a team that is built to draw fouls. Like, well, I'm like just the saying, Warriors, if you think the, the NBA Warriors refs are conspiring, or the NBA not, is conspiring with the refs, yeah. you know, these teams are not, like, going to the line all the time. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think they are, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Like, it all comes down to team personnel, I suppose. Yeah. Well, and like, Minnesota has, like, Ant-Man is, you know, it's a league star. I think it's more like... I, I think if there is anything to do with like calls, them not getting calls or whatever, I would say it probably would have more to do with the fact that they have a lot of young players. Usually when you have young guys, the refs don't give you the benefit of the doubt as often as they do when you've been in the league a while. And so maybe that's, you know, kind of covering some of the, I guess, discrepancy that he sees, you know? Yeah. Because um, that's—I be. mean—that's a thing for sure. Younger players do not get the calls that veteran players do. That's—that's—that's that's, that's a fact. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, of course, LeBron know. would maybe argue uh, differently. No, no, <laughs> LeBron should not argue differently. <laughs> the reason why that was even a big deal was because it is LeBron. So yeah. that actually proves the point. You yeah. know? Yeah, that's true. 
So let's talk Dallas because this to me may be the biggest story here. And it's a team, you know, if Dallas does not make the playoffs with Luka, this has to be. They really might not, man. They might. I think they probably will be at least be in the plan. They'll probably make the playoffs. But I don't we'll know. See. They're literally a full game out right now. And they're, you know, they've lost seven of their last 10. And they are just not playing well. And again, you know, you don't want to necessarily completely chalk it up to the Kyrie, you know, experience or, or whatever you want to call it. But that's dumb. Well, but, 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 and here's why I wouldn't totally chalk it up in that because they're, they're four and eight when both of them are playing together, but they're just eight and 13 overall. So that means they're what, four and five. So, I mean, I guess they do have a better record when they're both not on the court together playing together, but, but not by, I mean, they still have a losing record. I mean, you know, so eight and thirteen. What I mean by that is they're eight and thirteen overall since the trade happened, but they're four and eight with the two, with the two of them on the court together. Well, the problem is they needed to. I mean, in the offseason, they're going to have to look at it and they're going to have to do more to build around them. The problem is they got rid of like, like they're already a team that doesn't play any defense, and that's like they've just kind of been their thing this whole season. They don't play defense. They don't play defense right now. And they traded away like their best defender, um, and another like decent defender, and they brought Kyrie, who, you know, it, it is great offensively, but like he's not yeah. Dorian Finney-Smith on defense. Right. He's not. And it's like when you when you're a team that already doesn't play defense, and you get rid of your best defender, it kind of exposes you. Yeah. <laughs> for, like, yeah. And you can't win like that, man. Which is crazy because, like, last season in the playoffs, the only reason they made a deep run is because of their defense. So I don't really know what changed, but they're just going to have to make some changes in the offseason to kind of build around these two. I don't think it's the fact that it's these two. I think it's the fact that the team is just built weird and they traded away good well, defenders. It's not those two, but it's kind of to your point, though. It's like the thinking that you could bring Kyrie in, like, that that somehow was going to fix some of the issues and make that, you know what well, I mean? Well, the like, thing it is, like, well, it usually, maybe that wasn't the right move. Well, usually bringing in a star player like that will change your team pretty pretty drastically, especially because I feel like the trade they made was a pretty good trade in terms of what they got and what they had to give up. I think in just in terms of how the team is built, what they gave up was actually way more important to them than it might be to other teams. Yeah. So in giving that up, the bring in the star power didn't actually do that much for them yeah at least right now it will eventually but right now they just they don't play any defense and that's well, a problem and here's what's interesting about it luca's averaging just shy of 33 points a game 32.9 points a game the last player to miss the playoffs with a 33 point scoring average was tiny archibald 50 years ago there's only been five players in NBA history that have missed the playoffs when they've had a scoring average of at least 32 points. Those players are Steph Curry, Bernard King, Allen Iverson, Tiny Archibald, and Wilt, believe it or not, during that one crazy season that he had. I think that was, was that with the Warriors as well? I can't remember. Anyway, however, uh, there's going to probably be two of them this year if Dallas doesn't make the playoffs because not just Luka, but Damian Lillard, he's set to join the list. Uh, he's got. Yeah, he's not. He will join the list because he's not playing anymore. That's right. And, and Portland's, and Portland's not going to make the playoffs. So they're and, definitely not making it. And he's got like a thirty. I forget what it. Thirty-two point three or thirty-two point one. You know, average something like that. So he's going to end up being on that list. So that if if Dallas doesn't make the playoffs, 
there will now be it'll go from five to seven the number of players that have not made the playoffs with a 32 point average or better i think they'll at least make the plan do you i, th- I think they will who's gonna drop out though i, will I mean see. It, it, it'd have to be either the lakers or okc we'll see who drops out right because there are two games from Minnesota and New Orleans. Gosh, is New Orleans in seven? Yeah. Man, they've been playing some good basketball. Well, that's what I mean. They're, they're, they have been playing. Pelicans have been really doing They were well. like 11th like a week ago. Yeah. Well, they've won, they've won seven of their last ten. But that's what I'm saying. So, so Minnesota and New Orleans, Dallas is two back of those. So it would have to be the Lakers or OKC. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, because there's only what? Unless Minnesota decides to drop, well, that's interesting actually because I There's New only like Orleans five and Minnesota, New Orleans and Minnesota, I feel like with the way they're playing right now are kind of locks because of where they are and how they're playing. Right, and they're both they're both playing really well right now. Well, maybe maybe Minnesota won't get the calls, and then I don't know. And then uh, <laughs> we'll see. Dallas, if Minnesota loses down the stretch these last few games, and Dallas wins, and they and they, they complain about not That'd getting calls, that'll just I yeah, don't think that'll contribute to Rudy Gobert's. <laughs> complaint but all right well we haven't even talked about the east i did want to mention because there's like nothing really going on in the east the standings have just stayed the same nothing's really happening yeah um i mean boston like blew out milwaukee or that's about the only thing that happened but i don't think that that matters that much right now. although your miami heat slipped there there looks like they may be in the play-in now i don't really love what i'm seeing from them right now i'm gonna be honest yeah they still have a good shot at catching Brooklyn and even New York but of course right when I say it last week they had a shot they start losing well they're not going to catch New York because they're four back of New York now. are they four back now yeah and there's only what well, we did, six they did five lose or six to games. New York so yeah but that works out well they for did Cleveland, they had I a think. shot I actually think that works out well for Cleveland probably does because now Cleveland probably gets New York I mean New York is still a good oh team yeah no though. don't get me wrong New York can beat Cleveland sure but I'm just saying for the alternative right like Cleveland would probably prefer I would think New York over they would prefer New York but only for the reason that they don't want to get a matchup with a Miami like with a team that's like Miami in the first round yeah they think that they'll think that they can beat Miami and like you know good chance that they would but the problem is that series would be so like physical and like tough and like grinded out because that's the way Miami plays. Yeah. And you don't want that in the first round if you're Cleveland. Yeah. For sure. So, Well, and Philly continues to do well. I did have a note in here that uh, in a uh, – well, actually, no, sorry, this wasn't for Philly and Embiid. I was thinking this was for Embiid, but it wasn't. It was for the Joker, Nikola uh, Jokic, for Denver, actually joined Wilt and Oscar Robinson as the only players to have 10-plus games in a season that have at least 20 points, 15 boards, and 10 assists. And think about this. So he has 10-plus games this season – with those with that stat line are better right the rest of the league six combined yeah are, I, you know you almost feel like people are sleeping on denver in the west to be honest with you you don't hear a lot about them in here they just because just they're quietly, unproven I, yeah listen they are they are one minor injury that keeps Jokic sidelined away from a first round exit that's true they are the worst team in the nba when Jokic doesn't play and probably like a top five team when he does so it's yeah like and if did he, you just make the case gets, for MVP? If he gets did injured, you just make the case for MVP. If that guy gets injured at any point in the playoffs, like, and he can't come back within like two or three games, Denver is done. Like, yeah. it's over. They're not going to win without him. Yeah. There's no chance. So, yeah. 
I mean, they have it, some. It, you know, it, they have it makes some you. Talent. It makes you a little Michael nervous. Porter That's... Jr. Murray. I mean, they have some talent there, but you're right. I mean, and I feel like you just made the case for MVP though over Embiid. I mean, I just feel like it's the way that like you play with that team. Well, the thing about Denver is they have. He really is like the guy, and he really is like kind of the only guy, and it's kind of interesting. Like, yeah. They don't really have a second All Star. Like Jamal Murray, yeah, but like not yet really coming off of that injury he's not really at that kind of level that you would think the number one seed would have like a one-two punch sort of deal where they have like kind of two all star all nba type guys like Jokic is really just the centerpiece of that team in every facet oh yeah and they play completely differently without him yeah completely differently all right i'm looking at the clock we're running a little bit long so i think i'm gonna call it do you have anything else no that's it all right, I'm calling the show for today. That's going to be it. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Brandon, take us out. All right, yeah. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in, spending some of your time with us. Uh, we do want to hear from you, so please message us on social media or email us. That's on our website. If you have questions or ideas or topics for a future show, again, we do love to hear from you, so please don't hesitate to reach out. And uh, also check us out on social media and follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. Yep, and please help us spread the word. Tell a friend about us. Encourage them to listen to the show. And follow us on your favorite podcast outlet. And we would also appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating. So that is it for show number 74. Thanks again, everyone. And as a reminder, we will not have a show next week. Uh, Hope everyone has a good Easter holiday weekend, and we will be here the week after that, same time, same place, here on the 615 Collective.